Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Mmm, Sonic. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. What's up, man? Hello. Nothing much. Just navigating some uh, transfer portal fears in life. If Noah Fafita and Teotor McMillan are worried about leaving after the way some have responded to Jed leaving, they need to understand it's not the same thing at all. They need to do what's best for their future and everyone supports them. So if they need to go to I don't know, just thinking of a random school like <laughs> Oklahoma who needs a starting quarterback and a star receiver and that's going to help their NFL draft prospects, they should go there. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to turn out next year. Don't know much about the head coach. We were looking like we were going to potentially be in the college football playoff discussion next year certainly like one of the dark horses to emerge out outside of the top four five six teams that but, big bad big 12 but then nick saban had to go and retire that jerk just imagine nick saban's decision trickle down effect impacts you and you me you want to do the what if thing but jed was going to leave next year anyway like yeah. he's always going to leave he's just going to leave and you know what that's those the, football lifers that's the reality of uh, that world we're here to talk about the reality of the phoenix suns world uh, we will mainly be discussing last night's uh, win of the season, turning point of the year. We will discuss how much of the uh, narrative uh, lower third chirons we we believe in <laughs> for what for what this was for the Suns. We're optimistic about it, surely, but we'll get into just how optimistic we are uh, since we last talked. That Lakers win, which was pretty sweet because Bradley Beal looked awesome in it. Uh, pretty sweet for the Suns. Devin Booker had 31 as well. Those two guys were awesome, but that game, to me, was more about how the Lakers were a dumpster fire. Uh, LeBron was 3 of 11. He had 10 points. He was minus 25 in 24 minutes. Uh, it was ugly for them, but the Suns took advantage of a weak opponent on the road. Uh, good for them. Uh, they deserve credit for that win. That was not as sarcastic. Good for them. To clarify, <laughs> might be a sarcastic good for them about Sunday's win in Portland. Felt like one of those where it's like this is actually a challenge for them because they have to just stay mentally engaged for 48 minutes, and they couldn't. And no. they not nearly lost the game. It was still easy to win at the end, and that wasn't the point. It was that they let Portland get within four when they had eight players out, including I think six rotation players, four starters, something like that. And then, lo and behold, Bradley Beal on the postgame show immediately says, like, this was a step back for us. Like, he didn't do the, like, it's good to get, it's hard to get a win against any team in the NBA kind of thing. No, he, he talked about how it was a step back. And then it looked like they took seven steps back against the Sacramento Kings when they played a three-quarter stretch that was one of the worst stretches of basketball they've played all season. And I feel comfortable in saying that just because of the opposition, being at home, knowing what lies ahead and also to something Booker talked about after the win, which is that we know where we're at in the standings right now. And we know Sacramento and New Orleans are two teams that we might be jostling with to avoid the plan. And that's what everyone wants is to avoid the plan. Like, I don't think sure teams want home court advantage if they can take it. But the whole thing about the NBA and with this, these changes is just avoid the plan. That's all yeah. you want to do. Uh, and then they play a horrible three quarters that we'll get into. But then in the fourth quarter, it started in the third quarter. There were a couple of different, comeback attempts signs of life that were there and it was more of like a bordering on a moral victory kind of thing uh, than anything 
but it was what kept the team in it. They never got blown out by 20, 30, 40. Um, they were down 22 at one point in the fourth, don't get me wrong, but a couple of those spurts like got them back within 10, 13, 14. A lot of it was Grayson Allen, who was awesome. We'll talk about him in a bit. And then the fourth quarter comes, the last five minutes, 23-4 to four run. The Kings absolutely melted down, Kevin, and I can see how something I wrote about on the site is this can be framed as that. Is that like the Kings melted down, the Suns took advantage. Incorrect, in my opinion. The Suns forced them to melt down and put pressure on them. Kevin Durant, after the game, emphasized pressure a couple of different times. And when watching that fourth quarterback, it is very clear that all of the dumb things the Kings were doing, part of the dumb things they were doing, they did some other dumb stuff too, like running an ACC dribble handoff to kill <laughs> half the shot clock for no reason on three straight possessions, which drove me insane watching it back. They forced the pressure. And, and yes, it was small ball. Yes, it was pace. Yes, it was threes. Yes, it was scrappy as hell defense, the type of um, intensity that we were, uh, as those watching the Suns, we were promised more or less from Frank Vogel's introductory press conference. All of that put pressure on the team, so I think it has more to do with that than the those kind of things behind it. And it was a it was their win of the year. Do you take those last eight plus minutes uh, very seriously, and then tied to that or not? Do you? still take the other 36 38 40 minutes very seriously like this is a problem because like i i said it during the game just watching how easy the kings could get open looks in a variety of ways whether it's just swing get your guy open versus how difficult the Suns' looks were. Like, that was the biggest, like, thing. And I know the Kings, and that's why we're talking about this game more than the Lakers game, because the Lakers, again, you call them dumpster fire, right? Um, The Kings have a good offense. They run things quickly. They pull the ball out of the net and go to make things easier. But still, the Suns are just not consistently getting in guys' bodies, pushing them off spots, chasing them over screens simple stuff and they did all those things in the final eight minutes to get back but like how do you kind of weigh like did we learn anything is it still just like different points in time like they had a good fourth quarter like i i don't even know how to handle that because the problems are still there to me the way i would phrase it is my level of concern for the team did not change after the last five minutes of the fourth quarter it remained the same it just made me even more aware and seeing it uh, materialize come to life what they're supposed to be as a team yeah and seeing that go and they can play that way with Nurkic. i think that when i mention pressure or say pressure people think of like trapping really aggressive physical defense and that kind of thing and it's it's that to a certain extent but they can play this way run with pace they can do it with Nurkic it's not yeah. just a small ball that was more of thing. a defensive didn't yeah. fit that's fine he'll have his day yeah they'll they'll pick certain times to do that what did we talk about a ton in the preseason Nurkic isn't going to close a lot of playoff games and this is a perfect example of why and we finally saw it in one of these games uh, they overcame their fourth quarter demons for a night which I think is going to be the biggest takeaway from this for me in terms of short-term effect I think it's going to be a huge morale boost for them to see okay whatever's going on with us in the fourth quarter we can't figure it out every time they're asked about it they say they don't know now they know what they're capable of there at least and they can really pull off something like that but you go through this schedule and we've talked about this for weeks now like this is by far their most impressive win and what I take away from these last couple of weeks they're eight and three 
uh, over their last 11 games, the gauntlet road trip. Uh, they're in the middle of like that gauntlet schedule we kind of talked about, but it really starts on Friday. Um, they fly across the country to New Orleans, fly all the way back to Phoenix for two games and two nights in Phoenix, three games and four days total, and then the 14 days away from home with seven games on the road begins after that. So this team is 22-18 and 18 right now. I'm not really too focused on their record because basically this 8-3 and three stretch was an improvement for me in a way where they went from a team that like we didn't really know how they could win games to they can still figure out a way to win while they're going through what they're going through. And then the next step is to alleviate what you're going through, and then they become an elite team. Whenever they can alleviate, alleviate that, if they can alleviate that, they'll start to look like a contender. And that first, that last five minutes was one of the few times this year, I can count on one hand the amount of games where I thought they looked the part of that team. I would say the win over Minnesota, that's one. And I thought Minnesota just didn't play that that well that night, to be honest. Yeah. Most of the Orlando game, it was like you're playing a good team and doing things solid. The Miami game was their best execution. And then this, this. So, and, and three of those have come in the last two and a half weeks. Vogel even referenced the Christmas game, which was a, a, a really embarrassing showing for them. Said there were positive takeaways he took from the film and he found some stuff in there that he really liked. So, taking all of that in, they are improving, but they need to keep it going. They can't stagnate any further, and that's like the margin of error they didn't, uh, they don't have anymore because of how everything happened. So schematically, when you look at those last five minutes of the Kings game, like I don't know if you take away like that you can necessarily even get away with that lineup playing KD at the five so much, but for me, I think it made me look at it and realize and and go through the numbers, which I did on ArizonaSports.com and realize you we've kind of gotten clarity on lineups and it, it's the stuff we've talked about quite a bit, but quickly it's like, they're basically at seven guys that you can kind of really rely on. Who's big, the seventh? Big three. Mm-hmm. Nurk. Yep. Um, Grayson. Yep. We'll talk about him in a sec. Eric Gordon. He's been hot and cold lately, mm-hmm. but like a Kogi is in one of the lineups that's top 30. Okay. 32 um, league-wide when you look at five-man units, and, and there's offensive concerns there. But for me, it's more like, okay. Well, with what we're talking about, pressure, defense, yeah. switching, like he's, yeah. It, yeah, and so, like, I, I just, I think that we can all say, like, yeah, the, the big three units should be probably more elite offensively than they've been, right? But when you talk about like competing and giving real playoff efforts as that offensive chemistry develops, to me, the big problem is how adaptable is this team and this roster around the big three? And right now it's just like Nurk, he could get played off the floor. Okogi on the other end of the floor can get played off the floor. Um, Gordon and Grayson Allen are, are holding up defensively and obviously have a lot of offensive value but maybe they don't defend point guards. So, like, as as people, like, say, just get a point guard, get a, a backup center, get a wing, um, to me it's not even that simple. It's more like they just need any type of ability to kind of morph and adapt and, and give you different looks. And, and I just don't know if they have that right now because they have the big three and then whatever the other guys can provide. Yeah, that's what you wrote about on the side and something we talked about on last week's episode or the week before, but the data and just like the eye test tells you when five of those six guys are out there, it's going really well. Here's the thing in that Kings game, 
uh, they got smoked in, in both of those stretches when the starters were out there at the start of the first and the start of the third before the huge comeback um, later on. But that was just a really rare instance. They were due for one of those games because those guys had been more or less killing um, other teams. But yeah, it's just like the stuff in the at the start of the Kings game was all of the... So to me, and like the way that I, like, I, I'm not going to lie, I pre-wrote most of my story before the five minutes well, was Well, you should do that so you can go home at a reasonable hour. Correct, yeah. which is part of the job, and sometimes you write ahead when you can. And look, I covered a lot of really bad basketball games for a few years to learn that skill and have it down <laughs> really well. So I got it down. I rewrote uh, in the press conference room and rewrote after uh, to write about a much more fun thing to discuss instead of the same thing over and over again, which to me was the Kings came in there and said, we know you're not an organized team. We know you're not a good defensive team. So we're going to use our strength and highlight it even more. And we're just going to push off every single thing. And you might think that's how the Kings play every single time down. It is to some extent it's their identity, but they were like really hammering the kick ahead passes and, and they were generating, they had 15 assists on 17 baskets in the first quarter, Kevin. And the majority of their field goal attempts were either open or wide open. Like, I don't know if Jeremy got any pictures in the first quarter of a Suns defender guarding a shot by a Kings player. Like, it was it was brutal. Their defense was bad, it was unorganized, and it was lazy. And they've got a lot to figure out on that end, and, and specifically just with connectivity and engagement and all that kind of stuff. Because as I was talking about before the game ended... And what I said, what I wrote a month ago, like center rotation, their eighth guy, ninth guy, trade deadline, point guard, all this kind of stuff. Like, no, they just need to play harder and play together more consistently because that was just, it was unacceptable stuff for three quarters and the comeback and the vibes right now shouldn't alleviate that. With that being said, we'll cast that aside and focus the rest of the conversation on going forward and what happens from here, which is what you wrote about. And goes to Grayson Allen, where going into the season, you and I talked about this after the trade. There was DeAndre Nurkic swap, which was like the big point of conversation about this. But really what they did was they got two guys in Little and Allen who were wings that could potentially, wings, guards, whatever you want to call them, that could potentially be in your playoff rotation. One. Two, they had mid-level contracts yeah. that were tradable, and they just did not have that on their roster. They didn't have any these like movable contracts that made sense. And Grayson was the one specifically where it was like, look, if it doesn't work out, you can absolutely get rid of him and like get another player back and see how it goes. Now, you can't trade him. They cannot trade Grayson <laughs> Allen. They absolutely cannot do it. He what? has been their third best player this year. Bradley Beal has been hurt, which has helped that claim. But the way that he's playing, Kevin, I said this to the timeline guys a while ago, it reminds me of when, remember when Andrew Wiggins started the All-Star game? Mm -hmm. And do you remember like the Hawks teams and like the, those elite teams where the third or fourth best player was so good that you wanted to um, commend them in some way where you're like, let's just make Paul Millsap an All-Star. Jeff Teague. Let's make Damari Carroll an (laughs) All-Star. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's been that good where if the Suns were at the top of the West right now and they were like 32 and eight or whatever... We'd be like, is Grayson Allen an all-star? Because he's been phenomenal. He's been better than expected in every part of his game, even as a shooter. And that's what Frank Vogel talked about after the game. Book, who knows him and has been following him since they were teens because they're in the same draft class together, said 
he's exceeded everyone's expectations. And I like preface the question by saying like, you knew he was a very good player coming in, but, and then he, and then he basically meant like he's exceeded my expectations too. Yeah. Shoot. So he's been phenomenal. And now it puts them in this weird space of upgrading the roster where the story now isn't what can you get for Grayson Allen? It's can you resign Grayson Allen? And that's just going to come down to how much money Matt Ishbia is willing to spend. <laughs> and if I know anything about that specific category, it's if we go back to what he said the whole time, whatever makes us better. You know what makes them better? Grace A Allen. long-term contract for Grayson Allen. Because they are going to have even slimmer avenues to improve the team over the next couple of years. So retaining any of the guys that worked out, that's something we talked about in the offseason too, is one of them. And he has been the huge success story for them. And look, if you can trade Grayson Allen and Nasir Little and three first round, second round picks and an exception or a swap or whatever and get like the perfect 3 and D wing that can guard De'Aaron Fox or Jamal Murray and then shoot 37% from three or 38% from three. I don't even know if I would do that still. I don't know like, who I don't, you're talking I don't, about that. I don't even know if I would do that. And those <laughs> players just don't exist. I don't know who you're talking about. So I don't know. I, like they, they can't trade him. Siakam just went for what? Three firsts. Um, what Bruce Brown was there anyone else in that trade so that's kind of I know that's like an extreme example would you trade him for Herbert Jones right now but like in a vacuum no Herb Jones shooting 38% from three one Uh, of the best defenders in the league is he shooting 38% okay I'm still saying I don't know I don't know because Grayson is so good for them long-term contract maybe he improves your defense if he's shooting that well but Look, Grayson's like putting up six threes a game, 48% from three. And, and that's the thing, too. Even if we're like, if we're looking solely at this year and not looking for sustainable moves, sustainability moves, if you that would be a sustainability move, um, you're going to knock this team and take something away that the one of the few things that has been a constant for them. Um, so to me, like he's pretty much untradeable, even though he's your only real asset of value at this point as an expiring deal, because like you, you're taking steps back. Like, yeah, maybe you say, okay, Brad, we need you to do more Grayson Allen things, which sounds weird that I'm phrasing it that way, super weird. Um, but that that's even hard to say because then you you're just playing a numbers game and and, and, so, then, and then you're like okay well like maybe you can trade like can you trade eric gordon what can you get for eric gordon but then you watch the end of that game and it's like oh you well, need eric you, gordon you, i think you need eric gordon like I, I just think those six guys aren't going anywhere and their roles aren't going anywhere and you're just kind of this is your team and it's like can you get seven eight nine can you get one of those spots filled out here with some kind of move and if you can then you're in a pretty good spot roster wise i think yeah um the the center thing I've been on the center thing, and I know it's like the fifth most important like roster problem. Um, and again, we're not close to talking about roster problems, but the Kings game did make me think, okay, if we know what we know about those seven, Metu, you hope, keeps it up. Bull Bull showed signs, and you just hope those two guys can kind of fill in a lot of the center moments, and your defense can hold up, and your rebounding can hold up. Um, like if we get to the end of the season and we're like, this is just not a good rebounding team because they're too small. Like I honestly, at this point would take it and be like, yep, just, you're going to have to shoot the lights out on everyone. That's what this team was built around. You have flaws. So be it. Don't have a point guard. So be it. Um, 
But yeah, I, I mean, they're just going to have to get into these wonky things. And I think that's the most interesting part about Frank Vogel is traditionally he has had centers and even on the Lakers most recently, like Dwight Howard and what was it, JaVale on the on the championship teams? Um, Pre-Andre Drummond, Kev. K, yes. That's or even with Andre Drummond, like they, they used centers is what I'm getting at. So he's going to have to go. Saul, how dare we forget him? Oh, man, yeah. One of my favorites. So he's going to have to change what he has done his entire career pretty much. Like I, I'm trying to think if the Magic didn't have Vucevic for some long period or Pacers not having Hibbert what they did, but he's he's going to have to kind of change and adapt um, to what his he's been historically as a coach, and, and that's what's going to be interesting to me. To go back to the pressure to wrap up, mm-hmm. they got to play fast, yeah. and it's um, one of those moments where I'm sure fans themselves read these quotes after the game, and they're like, "Then why aren't we doing it?" Because <laughs> book book says like we got to playing fast, and then Grayson says, "I liked how fast we played. We got up a lot of threes, and then fans are just wondering like, "Well, why are we doing that? Why aren't we do doing it. that the whole yeah. time?" And we don't have the answers for you. You just got to watch and see if they do it, but. To the pressure point, they do not need to be the Kings, the Pacers. They, they don't need to be running up. Pressure can be, here's Beal and Durant in the off-ball action. Oh, that's Grayson one pass away, too. What do you do? Yeah. That's pressure. And it's like you just got to keep imposing those threats. Um, the Dunker Spot guys do an excellent job of this. And like Steve Jones breaks it down better than anyone in terms of like the the basics of what you're doing. Like the foundation, fundamentally, of what your offense is. And the uh, the beats is kind of what he calls them. It's like, okay, you're running pin downs here. You're getting elbow there. You're running Grayson around this, and then Beal's leaking in right there. Like, you get okay, now you get Beal going around this so he can get downhill and drive. It's like once they establish those heartbeats in the half court, they're going to be the best offensive team in the league. But they haven't done it yet, and they haven't done it in a way where when they slow it down and they do run half-court stuff, it's not that most of the time. It's other stuff. But here's the thing, Kev. I think this kind of gets lost on us, and we should give them credit. The mismatch hunting stuff, that's what they did in the last five minutes. I watched the whole thing back. Yeah. I wrote about the whole thing. You can go watch the last five minutes on ArizonaSports.com. I clipped like the whole thing pretty much. They're just going after Sabonis the whole time, and it's working. Um, it works with the five-out lineup a lot easier, but it was working. So there's a balance there to be had, but I... Can't say it enough. I'm glad Durant focused on pressure so much after the game because watching it back, I'm like, that's that's it. It's like you need to um, break. This is your way to break down other teams because the, we talked about with the Monty teams, the 64-win team, for me, it was like they just would impose their will on teams. And, yeah. and by the fourth quarter, they were gone. The Philly game in Phoenix is the one I'll always remember where it was like Philly was just – Philly was a 10 out of 10 that day. They were the, their best versions of themselves, and they just got broken down. Yeah. And not a lot of teams can do that. Not a lot of teams in the last five to 10 years have been able to do that. That is this version's team of being able to do that, and that was a 64-win team. Like, that's the potential that these guys have. And they did it in a very different way, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. New Orleans on Friday. The new look Indiana Pacers with Pascal Siakam. It's it's sad when um, it's kind of like when remember when the Nets had D'Lo and they broke up that fun stuff for 
the big three, it's like, oh, the fun Bruce Brown thing. Yeah. And it's like, no, you're going to go get the all-star for Bruce Brown. Okay, I get it. We get it. It's okay. but He won a title. He's okay. No, I'm not worried about Bruce Brown. Oh. Like, I, 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 I would see that kind of movie and be like, oh, Bruce Brown to Toronto sucks for Bruce. But no, Bruce took the bag and Bruce got the bag. And guess what? Bruce is going to get the bag after that because yeah. guess what? If it doesn't go so well in Toronto, I'm be like, I was in Toronto, man. What yeah. am I supposed to do? <laughs> it's it's, it's going to work out excellently for him again. Indiana-Chicago, home back-to-back. Indiana, pretty darn good. I have not looked at their results yet without Halliburton, but they're like six games over 500. Here's the cool thing about looking at their game log is that Halliburton leads their team in assists every single game, so I don't need to check what game they're in. So they ripped off three straight with him, without him, I believe, when he got hurt. And then they've lost their last three, which were to Denver, Utah, and Los Angeles. By the way, Kev, the surging Utah Jazz. We played our little game and said basically one team's going to get left out. That's it. The Utah Jazz are looking to be like, no, no, no. Colin Sexton, playing good ball. Interesting. Playing really good ball. I looked up some of their numbers and just saw like who's producing for them at least. And, like Sexton over these 15 games is shooting like 50%, <laughs> averaging 20 a game, something like that. Kid can hoop. They've got Lowry there. they got Keontae George making things happen. Um, but that that's Indiana, and then they'll get Indiana later that week. Uh, th- let me know if you agree before we go. Mm-hmm. Here's the whole thing. At New Orleans, home and home, Indiana, Indi- or Indiana, Chicago, and then you're on the road, a game every other day, Dallas, Indiana, Orlando, and then the night after that, Miami, game every other day, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Washington. It is not a murderer's row because there is not one elite team there. There are like seven or eight elite teams in the NBA right now, and these aren't any of them. Dallas, Indiana, New Orleans, Miami, and Orlando are all good. Yeah. Maybe pretty good. Brooklyn is fine. Atlanta is veering towards a dumpster fire. Ooh. Let's blow up the whole thing. thing. Speaking Do you of see trade Boogie Cousins stuff? is like, get out, Trey Young, while you can so they don't blame you. <laughs> Washington has been a dumpster fire since uh, they did what they did. and we'll, we'll, Did what they did, yeah. We'll leave it at that. But all of that said, that cushioning aside, you can very easily just go two and eight over these games, and then all of a sudden you're five back of like the four seed or something, and you're you're really in trouble in the standings. So, can go both ways. That's what I wrote. The launching pad towards turning into the team they're supposed to be, or they can this road trip can really hit them. Grayson, who's in his sixth NBA season, told me this is the longest he'll have been away from huh. like his city. Fourteen days. You agree? That is a long time, yes. Do I agree on that? Or do I agree on the Do you importance? think this is tougher than it looks, easier than it looks? Like, what do you I think? Because we're going to be ta- this is going to be like the talking point around I the I think team what's going to happen weeks. is they're going to be around 500 and we're going to be still talking about little baby steps. 27 and, maybe a big step and 23, backwards. and yeah. then the trade deadlines here, and we're like, do Oh, no, you I don't know what to, to do. Yeah. Uh, I can see that and it not being a panic and not being a great confidence boost. I think that's what will happen because it's it's pretty good competition, yeah. We need to report back at the end of the next episode if Bronny James passes the vaunted Aaron Holiday test. Oh, yeah. Do you know when the last time is he made a shot in a game? Uh, January so like, 3rd. It was two weeks ago. Two weeks. He's over in his last three games. I uh, think he'll pop. I think he's going to pass the Aaron Holiday test in 45 he can, seconds. He can miss all of his shots and he'll probably Long still Long-time listeners, this is Cat's Talk. We've... Vauntlessly, vauntlessly. I really wanted to use vauntless twice there. I Volume. I don't know what. what I don't know where is. you're going. Like we're doing the rare mid podcast Google dauntless? dauntless. Is that what he was going for? I don't know. My good, my goodness. 
We're talking cats for a brief second. We have the Aaron <laughs> Holiday test where we, when we watch Pac-12 basketball RIP, um, we see a random player in the Pac-12 and we're like, yeah, Drew Eubanks could probably play in the league. We're like, ah, I don't think Aaron Holiday could, which, by the way, has been great on the Rockets. Yeah. Career year for him. So the name is kind of funny now. It was even funnier. But Bronny will pass it. Will that Collier kid, I don't think Boogie Ellis is, is he playing. he hurt? I don't know. I believe Boogie Ellis is questionable. Okay. Collier out. And Collier's out too. Might, might be in for a Bronny masterclass. I need a Kylan Boswell masterclass because these two games I've missed that they've lost, his numbers have not looked good. And there's Jaden Bradley talk happening. And I don't They're need that rumblings. Yeah. This is like when I urged for weeks for them to change their lineup the last two years. And I'm like, no, do not do that. Don't just ask anything. Just play enjoy. the kid. Enjoy. If it doesn't go well, just keep playing the kid. Trust the kid. I can't He'll tell if it's it out. a joke, but Tommy Lloyd always brings up. I don't know how old he is, but he's very young. And I, I think it's a joke, but I'm not sure. I think it's a joke because it's like Jason Tatum is only 19. Yeah. It was like Kylan Boswell is only 17. Yeah, it's that. Once he turned 19? I don't know, man. I don't know. Can I say one more thing on him? Yeah. He should stay in school another year. He's he's probably a lottery pick, but he needs to stay in school another year. Yeah, because he hasn't – he scored zero points last game. He's kind of going through, like, I'm the guy transition where it's like he realizes, like, he's the guy on this team, and he but that's a hard thing to figure out on the fly and his when coach you're a point guard. putting that humbling – Humble pie out there for him, yes. Yeah, now there's news of you like getting sad after you like tried to be this guy. Like just just one more year <laughs> in school, and like you'll go from like Jose Alvarado plus to like an all star point guard. I promise. Ooh, promise. Okay. I don't lie about these things. You never lie. Care too much about my cats. Mustafa Shakur could have used another year. <laughs> just like I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It could have gone a lot better on the Kings if he'd gotten another year. You're not so sure. I'm not right. sure. We'll end. He had there. a lot of years. Yeah. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye.